0: The Telegraph. the Telegraph Podcasts
1: How old were you when you truly found your personal style? This is something I imagine is difficult to perceive as it happens. Chances are you only realize you've landed on your ideal aesthetic after the fact. But there has to be a catalyst, maybe a big birthday, after which a woman approaches her wardrobe with fresh eyes and a fuller sense of self-awareness. I'm Emily Cronin, and this is Fashion Unzipped. A little later in today's episode, we'll be talking about style milestones with birthday girl Charlie Gowan zeglinton Hi. And Bethan Holt. Hello. Before we get there, we'll look at the ways the Me Too movement could affect the upcoming fashion shows. And are we witnessing the end, sharp intake of breath, people, the end of shopping? No. I hope not. But first, you guys, Kylie Jenner... Uh, Unless you've been under a rock, you've probably heard that Jenner gave birth to her first child with boyfriend Travis Scott earlier this month. What's most remarkable is that the youngest Kardashian-Jenner daughter, literally from a family of professional oversharers, managed to keep her pregnancy out of the public eye for the whole nine months. And then she broke the internet by announcing the birth of her baby girl with an 11 and a half minute video. Bethan, did you watch it?
2: I absolutely did. It was the first thing I did when I woke up on Monday morning, um, when I should have been being really effective and planning my to-do list for the week and generally getting on top of things. And I just spent 11 minutes in Kylie Jenner pregnancy land. I'm not sure I'm any the better for it, to be honest, but I feel maybe it's a precursor to a much bigger thing. And this is all part of a big strategy. It seems so
1: strategic. I don't know. Watching it, I was thinking, oh my God, right now around minute six is when... I've tipped from seeing this as a slightly suspicious like teen pregnancy to seeing
2: Kylie Jenner as, you know, a mod- a model for modern maternity. You can almost imagine the meeting of the kind of the Jenner board of executives and like, okay, right guys, we've got another pregnancy. How how are we going to do this one? What's our business plan with this? And how about we don't reveal it until after the baby's born? And Chloe just going, "No, it's my turn." Yeah. <laughs> Surely nobody was surprised though. I mean,
0: That Calvin Klein underwear campaign, where Kylie seems to just be lying under a blanket while everyone else is in their nicks and bra. Dead giveaway. The
1: blanket was one of my favorite part of the shows. to be fair.
2: (laughs) It was the kind of worst kept Kardashian-Jenner secret. And there have been quite a lot. Um, There's been all these kind of paparazzi images of Kylie in her big oversized hoodies or perhaps just of her head over the car door or something Um and now it yeah. has come to pass
1: lots of shoots which were just her her head up to her like decolletage and now we know exactly. why but my favorite part of the video I think was uh was seeing the, the new baby's wardrobe because she probably isn't even home from the hospital yet and she already has a walk-in wardrobe stocked with teeny tiny dresses there's a shoe wall there is a shoe wall for a child who won't be walking for maybe a year.
2: It's just what every one-week-old needs. Once you have the walk-in closet, you can't go back. I mean, what more do you expect from a Jenna offspring? And maybe it's a precursor to, you know, this baby's first business venture.
1: Yeah, I mean, we always talk about the royal kids leading the kids' wear renaissance, but actually another equally influential style tribe is the Kardashian next generation. Um, Kim and Kanye have a, have a kids line already called The Kids Supply. And I, I looked at the website today. It stocks, they do drops of product, you know, much like Supreme. Uh, very similar. Very similar. And they stock copies of Northwest silver sequined vetamont dress. And they also do washed silk slip dresses with lace insets and cool graphic
2: tees, you know, for your hip toddler. Uh, most <laughs> of the styles are sold out. So, hang on with the, that Vetamon dress, because I remember that moment when um, Kim and North arrived. I think it was at Kanye's show, maybe, um, both in that dress. But so it, that's, they've kind of done Vetamon X Kid Supply. Well, not quite. She, <laughs> I think,
1: I gather, and this is pure speculation, but I think that what happened is that they introduced a Kid Supply copy of North's copy of Kim's Vetamon dress. It's very meta. Very meta. And now it's named the Demna dress and all the proceeds have gone to charity or something like that. So there was probably some kind of legal kerfluffle about it. But again, this is not my expert area by any means. So um, I'm just, you know, cynically speculating, which is one of my favourite
0: hobbies. You smell a lawsuit there.
2: Yeah, thank you. No no libel for unzip,
0: please.
2: <laughs> Are we going to see a Kylie Jenner and her child Vanity Fair cover of some kind. I mean, the actual child hasn't really been revealed yet, or the name. Well, but Kylie is the makeup-loving Jenna Kardashian, so Mm -hmm. might we be
0: seeing some some baby lipsticks? Anyone? God, I hope not. (laughs) I mean, beauty
1: products for kids. Like, there are are so many lines of, you know, non-toxic, mummy and me nail polish that you can peel off, and if you eat it, it doesn't poison your intestines, that kind of thing. One of my favorite aunts gave my daughter as a toy, as a gift, like this toy makeup set. And she gave it to her when I wasn't there so I couldn't intercede and like, you know, immediately hide it, hide all evidence of this gift. Um, And she still carries around like the fake eyeshadow and pretends to put it on and and it's just, don't need that.
0: Gets all dressed up before she uh, heads off to her mini kitchen.
1: Well, she did slam the door on me the other day because she didn't want me to see what outfit she was choosing.
0: top secret (laughs) as secret as a Jenner pregnancy For going on 15
1: Kylie Jenner and Butterfly Scott or whatever your name is going to be welcome to the children's wear fold we look forward to seeing your new line soon
2: While kids' wear is booming, the rest of the industry is maybe not doing so great. Earlier this week, Bloomberg published a big multimedia package called, rather ominously, The Death of Clothes.
0: The article says that while spending on technology and experiences, referring to travel, dining out and activities, has risen, spending on clothes has fallen to half the level it was 40 years ago. In 1977, clothing accounted for 6.2% of U.S. household spending, according to government statistics, and four decades later, that's plummeted to half. Now, the article
1: did uh, pull out a few trends behind the change, such as the disappearing work wardrobe, so the idea that we all wear the same clothes to the office as we do in our personal lives. Hello, red jumpsuit on a Tuesday, (laughs) Um, and downward pricing pressure from fast fashion also played a role. And then there's the rise of social media celebrities and influencers, often in competition with more established outlets. So, I don't know. Obviously, this made me wonder about my own shopping habits. Are you shopping less? It has has buy less, buy better really gotten through to the point that we're now looking at the end of clothes.
2: I mean, we'll all be very cold if it's the end of clothes. I don't (laughs) think that's coming anytime soon. I don't know. I found this a really interesting read because I think we're talking so much now about sustainability and not buying for the sake of buying or indulging in retail therapy. These are messages that you know, as journalists, we're putting out there alongside, you may want to buy these ankle boots, you may want to try this new brand, you may want to try this dress. So I kind of think it is about mindful consumption. In this room, we do
0: have a vested interest, obviously, in, in clothes continuing to live on. Uh, otherwise, we'd all be unemployed. Yeah, we'd be called an unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think in a way, this is a trend like any other. We are not shopping as much at the moment. You know, we all talked about how we didn't shop in the Christmas sales and we haven't been shopping. It's January. It's really cold. It's, it's February. It snowed yesterday. Oh, it's February. You're right. It's, <laughs> it's February. a lot like January. <laughs> it's incredibly cold. It snowed yesterday. Nobody really wants to go out and buy a new dress now. But as soon as spring sort of starts peeking
2: its head over the parapet, I think we will. I think as well... I'd like to kind of dig down more into this as to whether, okay, we're not spending as much on clothes, but for some people that doesn't necessarily mean having fewer clothes. I mean, you just look at how packed Primark is, you know, pretty much any time. Or if you ever go to Oxford Circus Station or Tottenham Court Road, you just see these people laden down with Primark bags. Like, there are people for whom that ecstasy of just consumption is still a huge factor in their lives Um, but I think there's nothing more thrilling when you don't buy for ages and then you just fall absolutely in love with something and decide yes that is the one thing I really do need and maybe it is in your wardrobe still a year, two years, three years later.
1: I, I also like playing the game of how much do I want it? You know, if I wait a week, will I still want it?
2: Mm-hmm. If I
1: wait two weeks, will I still want it? And and often there is a point where if I've waited long enough, I lose interest. Yeah. Um the trick is to wait it out and anything that you still want after a certain number of weeks just go for it and feel no guilt because it's been a very obsessed over purchase but yeah I mean that that phenomenon of people walking out of Primark dragging suitcases that they bought in Primark to fill with clothes in Primark it feels completely not of the moment.
2: Absolutely and not something that you would condone I think as a I mean yes we're fashion editors and we believe in the joy that clothes can bring and how they can make you more confident and make you feel good about yourself. But gosh, there's probably nothing more terrifying than just a huge cupboard filled with rubbish that you don't even know what's in there and you wouldn't know how to put an outfit together. I think the the biggest thrill would be if you could open your cupboard doors and know that every single thing in there was working really hard for you. And it's all clean and the hangers are all facing the right way and there's
1: two inches between each one so that the clothes can breathe. I mean, this is what I dream about. Basically Kylie Jenner's
2: baby's wardrobe. I
0: know. (laughs) I'm telling you, I want that shoe wall. (laughs) I do think it's interesting, though, that we're spending that money, apparently, on travel and eating out. And that's become such a big part of our lives now. I wouldn't think twice, really, about going out for dinner, spending a fair whack of money on, you know, a nice bottle of wine, sharing some food with friends, but I wouldn't go into Zara every week. I
1: recently spoke with a trend forecaster who said that this is all a function of millennials having no money. Yeah. Um, it's a bit dark, but possibly true. You know, she said, if you think about how many people are rebounding to live with their parents or are living in flat shares, you know, long past a point where we used to, people aren't saving money for mortgages. They aren't filling wardrobes with clothes. that They're, they're trying to spend... In a way that will enrich their lives out of the house, mm. um, and that will look good on, on Instagram. And, and traditional retailers have come around to this as well. Tiffany in New York—you uh, never used to be able to have breakfast at Tiffany's unless you, you know, bought a bought a little breakfast roll at a bodega and stood outside for a cheesy picture. But they recently opened a cafe really? where everything is mm-hmm. Tiffany blue, and you can have guess what—breakfast at Tiffany's—and it's a lot cheaper than an Elsa Peretti heart necklace. Mm and looks just as good on Instagram. So, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of retailers adapt to the death of clothes as this as this article sensationally called it by introducing more experiences and, and trying to shape themselves to the way that we're living our lives
2: now. And I guess if you're living at your parents' house or if you're living in a flat share, you don't have room for a shoe wall.
1: As we mentioned last week, we're about to divide and conquer for a month of fashion shows. First up is New York Fashion Week. Bethan, you're going to New York on Thursday. So ahead of the shows, we wondered, how might the Me Too movement influence the coming fashion season? Could there be more slogan tees on the runway? A frank and open conversation about model rights? Or pure escapism and froth?
2: I am fascinated to see how designers are going to be grappling with this dilemma. I think it's hard to believe that the last round of shows only finished the beginning of October, and so much has happened since then. We've had the Weinstein scandal, we've had um, photographers like Mario Testino and Bruce Weber being accused of um, misconduct with with models and, and assistants who worked for them. You know, it feels like the world has kind of changed in six months. So designers will have been preparing their collections as all this has gone on. How could they not be
1: affected by it, really?
2: Totally. I mean, you, they're inspired by the world around them, right? So I think there are some designers who are more political than others, and so we might see a, a stronger reaction. I mean, I'm interested to see what um, Maria Grazia Curie at Dior will do, because she's kind of already been talking a lot about feminism and protests for the last few seasons. So I'm interested to see what will feel right for her as well.
0: I do hope there aren't more slogan t-shirts. I hope that's not... That's the
1: thing. She anticipated the, the moment, really, because she showed her We Should All Be Feminists t-shirt before Trump was elected, before the women's marches. There's that very memorable picture of, uh, of Natalie Portman wearing it to a women's march rally in,
0: in L.A. If she does the same thing again for a third season, it could almost be too much. I think the sentiment is admirable, but once you've got the high street stores selling feminist t-shirts for, you know, 12 quid. And once it becomes a trend, I think it it loses something. I think t-shirt activism does kind of raise the question, if you can just take the t-shirt off at the end of the day and then you're not a feminist anymore. Is that really the right message? I
2: think as well, what I have always loved about fashion is obviously there's men's fashion, men get involved in fashion, there are trends for men but this is a real area that women bond over. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but you know, whenever I'm with my friends or talking with the female members of my family, so many of our conversations are around, what are you going to wear to this next big event that we're going to? And, oh, did you see this? And I love this. And, you know, it's kind of like football for women. And so I think let's, keep it for ourselves you know that we've had all these awful things about things that have been done for women and i know that fashion has become horribly embroiled in that but it would be really nice to celebrate fashion as well for for what it has meant to women over the years for for so many women it is a kind of an armor against all this stuff
1: which is why you know i think it's not invalid when some designers will inevitably say I want fashion to be above all that. You know, this is a space for dreaming. This is a space for beauty. Let's give everyone new things to dream about. That's fine. It's just not particularly um, insightful or and doesn't move anything forward. And not everyone needs to do that. That That's absolutely fine. But uh, But U.S. Vogue did ask 11 designers how Me Too is changing their approach to fashion. And most of them stuck with pretty basic um, statements about promoting confidence through clothes, you know, very, very positive spin. But some designers did say that they're also re-examining the treatment of models and fashion creatives in the industry.
0: Brandon Maxwell, who's dressed Michelle Obama and Lady Gaga, said, I think we have a responsibility as a community to take care of the women that bring our clothes to life first and foremost. And that starts with our treatment of the young women who walk our runways and represent us in advertisements and editorials. Every choice we make affects their lives and subsequently the lives of the young girls that look up to them. Clothes should empower, never torture. We wouldn't have jobs if it weren't for the support of our female customers, employees and muses. And I think that fact has to be highly respected.
2: Yeah, I really agree with that. I think it's much more about the kind of behind the scenes things that are going to change. I know that Condé Nast and the CFDA have both introduced um, codes of conduct this season to kind of really bolster and ensure that everyone who's taking part in all aspects of fashion is treated well. I really hope that that is followed through. But hey, as as well, why don't we start talking about the people who work in factories all over the world and those women who are, I know they're not often making these clothes that go on the catwalks, but the fashion industry should be thinking of those women as well, not just the ones who are able to be very vocal on social media.
0: The worry is that when activism is a trend that trend is going to go out of fashion and that's not what we want to happen. We want this to become a huge part of the industry and to be taken on next season. We don't want this to be kind of a flash in the pan. Bethany, you mentioned the CFDA initiative
1: for health and diversity. Um, they wrote a letter defining sexual harassment and, and restating a commitment to zero tolerance at New York Fashion Week and these are incredibly positive moves but there is a bit of an air of of too little too late and dare i say ass covering i mean it's these are not things that people that that no one knew were problems in the past
2: i think the key with what you just said there was reiterating it's not like a lot of these rules weren't there it's not like anyone was saying oh sure just do whatever you want you know they there have been things in place for some years and they haven't necessarily been followed through so that's just the time but unless we establish some kind of fashion police and I don't mean fashion police to kind of take your horrific yellow coat off your back when you look horrible but real fashion police um how is anything gonna we have to be self-enforcing and
1: and I it is great that people are paying more attention to these to these uh, initiatives now but yeah I think it'll be so fascinating next week Bethan to see the split between the ostriches like the people who want to stick their heads in the sand or in the clouds and Mm -hmm. and just get on with fashion as escape and and people who really try to tap into the moment and whether that reads as as relevant and urgent or angry or desperate
2: I was also very interested to hear the news last week that Georgina Chapman, who is Harvey Weinstein's, I think, ex-wife now, um, has cancelled her Marquesa show. She was on the schedule and it was kind of being seen as a moment for her to come out and distance herself from her ex-husband and perhaps start to make amends. And if she wants to continue her brand, then I think she is really going to have to transform it. But now they've cancelled the show so i don't i don't know what that means but i think it's it's quite sad in a way because that had the potential possibly to be a powerful moment if it had been done in a meaningful way
1: and we were looking forward to it of course i wonder i wonder what's going to happen with marquesa it, it almost seems like
2: she's going to have to sell it
0: who would buy
2: well this is the interesting thing because if you're browsing the net porto website or the Nima Marcus website, and you need an amazing dress for the event that you're going to next week, and you see one, and it's Marquesa, I mean, some people will know that that is the label owned by Harvey Weinstein's ex-wife. Some people might not know that, so perhaps she's banking on on that audience. But I think there's probably enough customers out there who do know, and certainly in the press, who probably won't let her forget about it. I think more it would be a case of stores not buying her
0: designs because, actually, if the the head of buying at Net-A-Porter decides that they don't want to align themselves with Marquesa, thanks to her connection with Weinstein, then the customers can't find the Marquesa dresses on Net-A-Porter. They're not going to stumble across them if those kind of bigger, multi-label e-commerce sites decide not to back her
1: how do you think the fashion world should respond to me too please tell us what you think by emailing us at unzipped at telegraph.co.uk we're really keen to see your responses to the stories we cover on the podcast and we're hoping to introduce an ask unzipped feature so also
0: please send your fashion questions our way and if you haven't already done this, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts to help us spread the word about Fashion Unzipped. Charlie, who celebrated her 30th birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Charlie. Thank Happy you. Happy birthday. Has been thinking about the self-reflection
1: that accompanies big birthdays.
0: Yes, yeah, so I've written this piece um, about milestone birthdays and how they affect your personal style. Obviously, you don't look different from 29 to 30 or... Thirty-nine to forty, or any of those big birthdays, but you perhaps feel different about your wardrobe because suddenly you feel, once you're in that different age bracket, that oh, perhaps I shouldn't be wearing mini skirts, or do women in their fifties wear thigh-high boots, or can I wear leopard print or leather or all these different things, all these rules that we have ingrained in us that we don't even know where these rules are coming from, but. Somehow you feel that perhaps it's not appropriate for you at a certain age to be wearing something like that. But I think the interesting thing is is that we are reassessing those age brackets. Amal Clooney turned 40 at the weekend and I don't think anyone would look at her and say that she needs to adapt her style now that she's in her 40s. Nor for Nicole Kidman and Julia Roberts who have just turned 50. Inez de la Frisange, um, the French style muse who's just turned 60. Glenn Close has just celebrated her 70th birthday and Jane Fonda has just turned 80. That is shocking to me. I think
1: she looks better than most 25-year-olds. She
0: looks fantastic, and her style is fantastic. And it's this kind of question that, should we really be dressing to fit in with this idea of what an age bracket looks like, or should we be dressing for our bodies and our personal tastes? If you've got the knees to wear a short skirt, wear a short skirt. I've never had the knees for it, and I'm 30.
2: Brigitte Macron would um, absolutely say that Mini skirts go at any age when you have little legs like hers. What about you, Bethan? You just
0: turned 30 Yes, recently. I'm two months ahead of you, Charlie. Did you make any changes to your wardrobe? Did you have a
2: clear out? I think over the past year, so as I've sort of been in my 30th year and started to feel more conscious about, OK, this is... I'm, I'm kind of growing up now. I've definitely kind of streamed it back, become more confident about what suits me what my style is this is something I would wear this is not something I would wear and I think that is almost empowering to use that I don't know if that's a bad word to use but you know just to feel like you don't have to be trying to fit in with lots of different ideas or lots of different ways of doing things and you can be confident about who you are I have really enjoyed.
1: I I have to say I mean I I feel a bit bashful, us talking about this, given that we have, you know, a three-year age spread in the room. (laughs) Um, It would really be lovely if we could have someone who's in her 60s or 70s in here with us, like, telling us maybe when she felt that she'd found her ideal style. But something that that you just said, Beth, and I think is really powerful about feeling less like you have to keep up. I mean, I do think that one of the things that comes with greater self-knowledge and self-confidence is less interest and, and less credence towards what other people are going to think. So, you know, I don't care if the right shoes to wear are four-inch, spike-heeled peep toes. They're not. They're not, by the way. (laughs) Don't wear those shoes. But, you know, I'm still not going to wear them. I mean, when I I turned 30 um, a few years ago, given there were a couple of other things going on, because I had twins um, two or three months before I turned 30, I sort of stopped wearing high heels, and I actually had a huge clear-out of loads of uh of shoes which were had once been really thrilling sample sale purchases now making some women in texas and another one in russia very happy but there are some things that you just distill your wardrobe down to but i also wonder is that about self-knowledge or is it about finding a, a look that works for you until that's no longer trendy
2: i think as well it's about what life stage you're at so we're all quite busy you know we're working hard you know, we've got lots going on. So we kind of need things that work for us. But I have this kind of dream scenario that maybe around the time I turn 60 or the time I turn 70, I might just go a bit mad and, and do the whole, I'm the old lady that wears purple the and Jenny, she's that, the that old Jenny me. Joseph. Swim. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, just because right now I I like dressing in quite a simple, tailored way, doesn't mean that one day I might not get out the kind of crazy vintage dresses and iris apple glasses or something
1: why wait why wait Bethan? <laughs> please wear this to work tomorrow Just wait, Bethan, yeah. by the way is wearing a polo neck and like and a very neat button down you know uh, pine green cardigan and some great statement earrings but it's it's true I mean I, I kind of think that in a way younger people can get away with more madcap dressing than older people because I
2: disagree. I think it's the other way around. Maybe I've been oh. totally um, brainwashed by the advanced style blog, but I just love a crazy older lady. In my research, actually, a lot of the
0: women that I spoke
2: to said that as they have
0: grown, they care less what other women think about them Kat Farmer who's the author of a blog Does My Bum Look 40 she's so great said that actually she just doesn't care so much now as she did when she was younger so she's happy to you know dive straight in with new trends Um, and I actually spoke to Inez de la Fressange who's just turned 60 and she said I do not dress differently but there are things I don't wish to wear anymore I want to feel comfortable not disguised she's had a wardrobe clear out and gotten rid of her glittery blouses embroidered pants leather jackets, um, very high stilettos, and skinny jeans. Those were the pieces she just didn't feel she needed anymore.
2: We have this brilliant um, fashion assistant called Harriet on our desk. I don't know how old she is. She's in her 20s, I'm sure, early 20s. And, I mean, she kind of wears these quite mad things every day, but in such a stylish, gorgeous way. Like, the other week she came in with, like, this eBay kilt that she'd bought and she just looked brilliant. Um, She's fully in the experimental mode of fashion. Yeah, absolutely. But she may be for a
1: lifetime because it suits her.
0: I yeah. think there's also money plays a huge part here because certainly at our age, each year makes a difference in terms of what you're earning and what you Hopefully. can actually... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm still I'm hoping that's going to kick in soon. But um, I do think, you know, in my 20s, I couldn't afford to buy the things that I buy now. But I still look at... You know, designer pieces and wish that I could afford to buy that perfect trench coat that's an investment and I know i would be wearing it for life but you know what I can't afford it right now so I buy the M&S one and yes I know what my staples are now I think I have grown into knowing what suits me a bit more but yeah I, I'm still looking for those kind of next steps
1: You can read Charlie's story in today's paper and at telegraph.co.uk slash fashion just a reminder that we gather all the stories we discuss every week in a news story on the site. So visit the site if you want to find out more about anything we've discussed. And email us. Again, we're on at telegraph.co.uk. We've
2: almost come to the end of this episode, but before we go, Bethan, what's something you're excited about this week? So I'm really looking forward to going to New York, obviously because there's lots of great shows on and it's going to be really interesting to kick off Fashion Month there, Um Also to get a New York manicure, which Charlie's just asked me what a New York manicure is. Is it like a
0: French manicure, that there's, like, a with the white tips that no French woman would actually be seen dead with?
2: No, it's just where you go into one of those... Little manicure places in New York, and someone does your nails for you for really cheap, and they as if redundant. you were just kind of yeah, I know, but it's not, the, mean, same. It's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> you can go at like nine thirty
1: at night with a friend after dinner out. It's a whole. Exactly. Oh, I'm jealous. I want to go get a New York manicure with you.
2: Um, and I'm also hoping I'm going to bump into my favorite Spice Girl as well, Victoria um, Beckham, because they've just announced their um, their reunion. So I'm hoping I might get to and of, ask her about that. And of course, you're going to the show. Yeah, I am. Watch so, the space, Charlie. What about you? Uh, well,
0: to celebrate my birthday, I'm off to the Cotswolds this weekend um, with six of my best girlfriends. So I am looking forward to some long walks, a lot of time in the pub, you know, roaring fires, all that, all that jazz. What does thirty-year-old um, country Charlie wear? Um, mm, pretty much what. 30 year old city Charlie wears <laughs> I, I must say I don't really have a different wardrobe although I do have a new Ghani quilted jacket that's quite Balmoral um, so I'm sure Just that'll be a head exactly yeah. yeah I'm afraid if anybody thought um, 30 should be a kind of ravey knees up I'm not that kind of girl <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> to be fair you probably haven't been for some time so. how about you Emily can't blame the birthday this morning I read a story from the Atlantic called why we forget most of the books we read and the movies and TV shows we watch and it made me so happy because I don't know. About, I mean, I can go through and read all the books that everyone's talking about and, you know, summon my opinions on them for a few weeks. And then a year later, you'll ask me about it and I'll be like, wait, have I read that? So just to feel really recognized in an article is is pretty fun. Basically, the whole premise is that in the Internet age, recall memory which is the ability to call information up in your mind has become less necessary because the internet is basically like an external hard drive for all of us collectively. Um, And it's much more important to know where that information is and how to access it than it is to actually remember all the details yourself. So don't feel bad about not being able to quote your favorite book or your favorite movie because you know where to find the quotes online. So that's, that's my slightly strange thing. That's making me happy. And
2: <laughs> happy today. news that it's not just me. <laughs> it's not just you. It's the internet's fault.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. Check back next week for another episode of Fashion Unzipped.